Greetings, namaste, and shalom. Everybody out there in dreamland, I am the beyond top secret Texan. Join me on my podcast, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, where I explore the outer limits of human abilities, top secret military technologies, the reality of extraterrestrial Earth alliances, secret space wars, advanced cryptozoology, and all subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult. Beyond the Top Secret Texan Podcast. Greetings, everybody out there in Dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron, and a friend sharpens a friend. I am posting this audio, for it is in the public domain, but at risk of censor, because of the profound and stunning truths contained within. I am your host, the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Thank you, every single one of you out there in Dreamland, for tuning in to another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. We're broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. And it is our pride and privilege to be doing so. The audio in question is Alana Danans, or Elena Denans interview with an Area 51 soldier Stephen Chu who qualifies with his experiences for the title Super Soldier having survived the SSP in this case the Super Soldier program with connections to UFOs, extraterrestrial life activity on Earth, and top-secret military cover-ups and containments, as well as operations within the very shadows of the United States of America. Deep underground military bases. This is one man's life. This is a man's incredible life. His fight out of hell. And his service at Area 51. They tried to wipe his mind, but he survived. and speaks today. This is Disclosure. A soldier speaks. 
Area 51, an interview by Elena Denan. Never before such classified information has been publicly leaked. This is direct disclosure. All of this is real. He is a whistleblower. When disclosure is brought, not by the governments, not by the secret services, but by the people of Earth themselves. It is no more time to wait for crumbs of disclosure because the disclosure it is us. Time has come. Born with very special abilities, experiencer with extraterrestrials since a very young age. Stevie brought the attention of the secret services. He tells us in this interview how life led him to work in some of the most terrifying places on Earth. He describes his physical encounters and interactions with alien races beyond your worst nightmares. From the jungles of Asia to the deserts of Nevada, this is the story of a soldier of our times. Steve's voice has been disguised for privacy. Um, I mean, how innocent can you get? However, somebody try to kill me. Simple be reason being money. <laughs> Wanted lots of money. So um, I was hurt, but a being had come and resurrected me right in front of my grandmother. She was so pleased that uh, I was brought back home. My clothes were, my clothes were completely tattered, but I, she could see my body being repaired. Uh, and I was standing straight up, and like nothing happened. So she brought me home. That's the first instance. Second instance was, uh, again, I was poisoned. I was told by doctors that, uh, told everybody, told everybody I'm not going to make the night. Uh, well, this being came down. You know, my took my consciousness or so uh, by the hand. We were flying over the rooftops. Could see uh, birds, a couple of turtle doves. Could see my grandparents coming and driving up. And when she brought me back, I related this story to my uh, grandmother. Everybody was astounded because that's exactly what they saw outside. So um, these are the events that my grandmother never let me forget. So as I grew up, <laughs> maybe in a, in a matter of uh, weeks and months, uh, some of these, you know, holy men, like like priests and, and whatever they do a lot of seances with uh, seances and then and, and remo removal of these uh, dark spirits because it's a very common thing back in back in the day 
where I, I grew up, children especially were targeted. All they did was just let me play with the child and the child's cleaned. That spirit is gone. It's not that I did anything special. It's just an energy thing that I worked with uh, that, that I guess I carried. And I've done a lot of them, dozens of them. Even the Catholic priests took me on in because they couldn't they couldn't handle the uh, uh, the, the spirit that was uh, inv- that had invaded uh, the child. Anyways, I grew up. Uh, I never thought much about it because I just went through life. If I find if I come across somebody uh, suffering like this, I just help them. There were other beings, to think about it now, there were other beings coming to talk to me. They just sat me down, spoke with me, like I was an adult, even though I was a child. <laughs> but I realized these were not, they're not humans, humans. They were, they came from somewhere else. Because uh, I remember being small and uh, looking up there was this huge spaceship right above me. When I say huge, is if you remember the airliners flying by in the sky, the airliner was flying underneath this this uh, ship, and it was just like a little speck of like a little fly compared to the ship. So this ship was massive, and when it went up to the atmosphere, you will just blink in the flashlight and it disappeared. So definitely not, not from this earth. Uh, and come to think of it, there have been many, many smaller ships that come to visit. I had no idea who they were. But they were not sourced this. They were, uh, you know, a bit like the Star Wars type ships. <laughs> Lots of little ones. And I, I, I never thought much about them. And to me, I, I, I used to make a lot of sketches in my book, in my sketchbook, and uh, the teacher said, stop drawing them because uh, you, your imagination is going crazy. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, I love to, you could say from that, because I was writing and describing a lot of little adventures, I learned to write. In fact, when I was nine years old, I had my first book. How? Because uh, of all these little essays I made, and school essays as well, the school principal saw it. So I had written this massive diaries and writing stuff. He put them all into a book, bound it, and sent it all out to all the parents in school. So you see? Small kitchen, right? Something like that. Uh, in fact, it was used by the country as an example to, you know, that see, you can write English. No, not because English is bad. It's whether uh, you, you want to focus time on it or not. Anyway, as I grew up, uh, you know, I, I used to travel, I used to go into the forest and jungle. I did a lot of hunting myself. <laughs> Only had for, you know, fishing, whatever it is, just enough for food. 
and uh, people were really astounded that I could even hunt a deer. What age were you? Uh, maybe my young teens, 12, 13 years old, I was doing that already. And um, by the time I was 14 or 15, I was, I was taking people into deep jungles uh, from equators. You know, go and take people and take pictures of tigers, elephants, giant snakes, uh, whatever. We we went to we went to some uh, some fantastic adventures. <laughs> tell you the truth, <laughs> um, anyway, by the time it came for my military days, I mean, everybody in in, in where, where I came from had you know had, had to go to the military. I I didn't think myself as extraordinary or anything like that. In fact, I was so ordinary when I got in there. I met some people outside. I didn't know who they were at first. They, they, they had me tested and they went to set, they, they said, okay, they want to send me to uh, to a university in London, England. To get some qualification, special qualifications. I said, okay, but first we have to do an IQ test. Would you believe I had to do four, do it four times? Four times. Four times, because the first time they just said, okay, okay, we can't ascertain your IQ. Second time, uh, it's not enough because we got to send you higher to a higher one. Third one, they said they can't ascertain it yet. And the fourth time, they said they never gave me an answer. The next week, six officers from the uh, prime minister's office came and grabbed me. Prime minister office. Yes. Yeah. Instantly, you... my instantly my life is not in mine anymore. <laughs> wow. Could you tell for the audience um, which country or? area of the world it was for better uh, understanding. Okay, that would be Singapore. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, the reason why is because I had a type of IQ that was only Mensa only identified 11 before, but I was the 12th one. So instantly this Prime Minister wants me <laughs> as his asset. <laughs> Wow. Can you imagine that? So my life wasn't mine anymore. Really. Uh, for the next 10 years, I was in the military, special forces. Yeah, I became a sniper. Uh, I also had other talents, right? Like, like, like the hunting and all that. I was just a little unusual. Not quite, not quite a normal human. And also, I developed a kind of, um, there's something unusual. See, when I was growing up, as a kid, I had the ability to use a sword. Never been taught, never been trained, but I had the ability to use a sword. A swordsman. I was very, very good at it. I even had a kung fu teacher that said he wanted to teach me. He says, okay, hit me. 
I said, no. He insisted, so I did, and uh, never heard from him again for the next hour and a half, because I hit him on the head. I mean, I was only what, eight or nine years old. And uh, you know, that's very, very embarrassing for a guy like that. <laughs> but uh, anybody else, uh, even if it's four or five people uh, attacking me, you know, the sticks in replace in place of, uh, of a sword, none of them could come anywhere near me. Right? Uh, I was extremely good at it. So I had no idea where this came from. Mm. It's like it's like genetic memory. Yeah. And also, and also, I had developed the, a tremendous amount of strength. That I was maybe 11 or 12, but I had the strength of an adult. I felt stronger than most adults at an at age. You know, the, the people who live a, lift a barrel, barrel full of uh, rocks. One, whole, one person can't do it, you need two. I could do it myself, right? Um, at that age, which was quite scary because I didn't look big. I wasn't huge. I didn't look very strong, but I was. Anyway, um, that helps in the military. And because of the way I was, who I was actually when I started finding out, one of those old people was actually my biological grandfather. He owned the bank. Okay. So this is where he taught me uh, banking. I was also a banker at the same time. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, at, at the higher level, not not the uh, not the bank teller, but actually a bank officer. And so I know what banking is internationally. And the Prime Minister's okay with it because you know, he wants super intelligent people around him, especially when he's dealing dealing with money. So I, I have been sent on many, many missions. Uh, I was given a lot of authority over many, many, many things. So um, being a PM, the Prime Minister, you could raise my rank anytime you wanted. I'll raise to the rank of Colonel. Of? Colonel. Colonel. That's at the age of 21. That's the. Uh, nobody else in the world has that rank at that age. Yes. The young, youngest ever. But then I, I carried myself very well. Spoke very well and spoke to our businessmen. Nobody questioned me about anything. <laughs> But also, uh, they also know that in the military, any crazy missions, <laughs> guess who goes? <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I was given charge of um, holding back, uh, having a contingent of um, military to, to hold back the, uh, you know, the Kamal Rouge over in uh, Thailand borders, because they're always encouraging, encouraging. And it's all, all people, they have they have a huge army there. 
And if they ever cross, nothing will stop them. You know, uh, the whole region will, will be under their control. Anyway, I, there was one time when they, they start, started making an attack. I, I won't go into details of what it did, but um, even though we had a very small contingent, uh, we did turn back the entire army. If they had continued, uh, we were gone. But you see, all our weaponry were completely used. Because our force is very small. But we managed to wipe out the Air Force. We wiped out the, the floating assets. We wiped out their, uh, the, 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 the hardware, the cannons and all that. So the rest of the army turned around, thankfully. But if they knew what we had left, <laughs> they would have continued. Because uh, our guns, our main guns, we only had one shell left. One. <laughs> Can you imagine that? We fired everything out, we already had one left. <laughs> our helicopters were completely dry. We had no more missiles, nothing else. But the idea of how to attack them was given, like, like the plan to do it was, it's like somebody up there gave me the plans and I had an answer in within 30 seconds of what to do because I had no time to, to wait. I had no time to ask for permission for anything. Just go ahead and do it. Somebody told me. Something told me. And uh, of course, the, the king of Thailand was extremely grateful. <laughs> grateful enough to give us a, a bank uh, brunch <laughs> over in Bangkok. <laughs> it was fine. Uh, there were many, 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 many uh, adventures. One that related to. No, okay, uh, ETs. Let's get back to ETs. Yeah. This is very interesting. They have been used for assassinations. Like uh, sometimes Singapore is used as a destination for world leaders to come and have a platform to speak. Right? But we're also always on the lookout for assassins. And uh, former prime ministers like uh, Benazi Bhutto, the lady in Pakistan. I was assigned to protect her. So me and my team were protecting her. And we were told that by MI6, British, and CIA in, in uh, from USA, they, they said there was an assassin. They each knew of an assassin that would come and try something. True enough, they, they did show up, but there was a thrill. Okay, uh, no. Maybe I, took, I said I was a sniper. Okay, but the, the sniper gun I use, you really can use it in the city because it's a 50 caliber and carries explosive shells. It will blow through a tank armor. <laughs> It's a special type of weapon. 
do carry another one, a handgun, which is uh, has an expanded gas chamber. So we, we sometimes call it the urban sniper. It's a handgun, but has the power of a rifle. So um, we shot the first two, then kill them, just shoot them, got them. They were humans, except the third one wasn't. The third one was uh, a little way off on the street, getting ready to fire to shoot the this uh, former prime minister of uh, Pakistan. I noticed, you know, being being a hunter in, in the jungle, you, you notice things. So I could sense him, find him. He realized I, I, I had seen him and he started running. I shot him six times, would you believe? Regular bullets do not penetrate his skin. I don't know what you gotta say, God. Right, and... He ran very, very fast, but I, and I told my uh, guys, my my, not my team, the rest of my team, do not apprehend him because he's something unusual. I caught up with him, and I give him a choice: surrender or die now. Because <laughs> I switched over the bullets <laughs> to to armor piercing now, and if I used it, I would be dead. And got a little closer, found his skin was a bit scaly. Okay, he looks like a human from distance, but you get close. He had very thick, darker skin and scaly. It's a hybrid. Human reptilian hybrid. So that made him extremely strong. And he had one more ability. He could uh, hypnotize the person standing in front of him. And under his arm, he had another claw for fighting. So we arrested him, but uh, you know, when we handed him over, we had no idea where he went. <laughs> you know, secret stuff. But that wasn't the only. Uh, First, only time I've I've come across a reptilian. Uh, I was in the air base, and there was a time when the Prime Minister Singapore has been forced was being asked to do many things that he didn't want to do, bad for his reputation. I noticed. When I was walking by on patrol, but just not on patrol, but I was just walking by. This fenced up, non secured area. They had this, you know, pet liquid, liquid, liquefied petroleum tanks, giant ones. They, they, they supply uh, this gas to households and, and, and the airport and all that. So I was wondering who that, that person was. So when confronted one of these things. And he pulled out a gun, I had to, to take the gun away from him because 
in that situation you can't fire anything otherwise everything blows up so I had another hand-to-hand combat with these guys he wasn't uh, easiest easiest guy to take down uh, but I did eventually and then the whole abyss was locked down and uh, to search for these fellas I brought in my team and they, they, they grabbed him and then cuffed him. I, I told him, told my team, don't just use ordinary handcuffs. You know, those, uh, we got to use those heavy prison ones. These guys are incredibly strong. Again, he vanished. <laughs> yeah, uh, after being arrested, he vanished. So reptilian-human hybrids are around, they're, they're not uh, just uh, imaginations, they're, they're real. You think they were working for uh, the government there, or special organization? No, somewhere else, somewhere else, somewhere else. No, certainly not, not ours. And um, there was a third, in, there was there two more instances in Chile, one in Indochina, where the uh, Thai people, the Thai soldiers were scared after they said there's a demon running the place. I know that the case is about um, drugs and CIA. They, they send the one SAS squadron to try and quell something there, but the team never came back. I was asked to go inside and investigate. I did. And he was run by the, what they call the demon. It's the same thing, the same hybrid, human, human reptilian hybrid. This guy, well, we, you know, my team are all snipers. Very, very good ones. We can hold back a thousand people. Thousand men, if they are, say, say a kilometer away, we can hold them all back. They can, they can come up forward. We take them all down. If they're close enough, then they'll get us. <laughs> but when they're far away, we have time to get them. So, um, that leader was uh, so called surrounded. What he did was he pulled us. And the old fashioned sword and uh, challenged me to battle openly. <laughs> so I did. We had to carry him out minus his leg. Minus one arm, minus one leg. You know, like, like, a, like a wild animal, we put him on a stick and <laughs> carry him out. <laughs> and you know what? He didn't die. It's incredible, these, these things, these creatures. They're very resilient, yeah. Difficult to, yeah. to, and, to kill. And by the time he brought up there, the, uh, the, the police, when they saw him, they just ran away because they said he's a demon. He was just screaming. Can you describe him a bit more? Human-like. Again, very, very human-like. Uh, heavier stature than uh, normal humans. Thicker, thicker bodies, thicker arms, and all that. 
very strong. The legs are a little bit more extended. So they move incredibly fast. Um, it's like they can sense your next move. You see, I the training I had, the fighting, you can't sense me because I don't think. I don't think about the next move at all. It's, I'm thinking probably three or four moves ahead. So you can counter that one. <laughs> you can literally counter the next one. And you think I'm going to reach that third or fourth move? I won't. I may not. I may, I may deviate again. So, so I was trained that way, differently. I'm fighting with energy, very different. The scales, again, tough as hell. Very, very tough uh, scales. You hit it and you find that you, you, you're hurting me. <laughs> you hurt your hands. <laughs> and regular bullets, do not, like I said, do not penetrate. It, it sticks there. You can pull it out. So you need um, armor-piercing bullets to get through this, through underneath. Yeah, so that my, the question I would have is how do you, what is the best way to kill them efficiently, quickly? I would, I would say slash the, the, the next. Okay. The under the next year, it's uh, rather softer. Okay. Right, because they, they, it has to move and breathe, but it's rather softer. Otherwise, the rest of the bodies are incredibly tough. Even the torso. Um, I've no this human this human hybrids. They do not have a tail. I've seen real seekers. They do have a short tail. Um, this one's had no tail at all. Yeah, there was another incident in, uh, there was, this time it's in Japan. They had no idea what was going on in our country. It turned out that uh, there were four, three of these guys killing people there, out in the country. Hundreds and hundreds of people were killed. So you, you the, the, but you were shut down completely. Caught one of them, but caught one, the other two escaped. And I noticed they were using a grey saucer ship. Oh. Okay. To buff. Nothing you can do about that. Cut this, this first one. And they were very surprised I, I sneaked up on them. It's normally they would sense uh, somebody coming. You saw them beaming into the ship or going into the, the Climbing ship? Climbing into the ship. So the ship had landed. Had landed. Ah, the ship was landed. Okay, so discoidal uh, grey saucer. <clears throat> yeah, it's a grey type saucer. Same sort of saucer as in Area Fifty One. Um, about sea cars. But where did I see him first? One. There's only one time. Out in Malaysia, West Malaysia, no, West uh, East Malaysia. 
is very mountainous. It's a very forested, mountainous area. And the people were complaining that the children were going missing. And again, we were asked to investigate. So me and my team, seven, we went to investigate. Boy, were we ever shocked. We came to a place where there was a mountain with a huge cavern underneath. Huge, when I say huge, it's a plate would fly into it. But as we approached, I, I know, you know, I, I noticed uh, something moving. And a sea car came out and challenged us, yelled at us. Can you imagine how shock a being that's about nine feet tall? Sharp teeth, <laughs> like a reptilian face, growling at us, wearing armor. <laughs> you know, dark skin, dark, very scaly being. And his legs, you know, it's like extended. There seems to have another joint. So he has extremely long legs, actually. He looks like a very, very powerful being. And he took out a gun, his gun. It's an energy weapon and just fight, fight at a rock. And, you know, the rock just blew up. It's not a small rock either. I mean, it's like, like, the rock's about two meters across, but it just blew up right up. What was the, this gun? Was it an energy beam or? Energy beam, yes. Yeah. So instantly, being, being the soldiers that we were trained to be, <laughs> we took off. <laughs> to cover right? and then more of them showed up and started firing so we fired back uh, but my guys were just complaining can't get them at all they keep bouncing around because the more before you can squeeze the trigger they, they got out of cut off a position you couldn't fire you couldn't figure them at all regular round anyway regular rounds didn't do anything to them no, they didn't care they just stood they just stood there let the bullets hit them and bounce off their armor and their bodies or whatever they just wasn't afraid of us uh, that was until I used my gun because of the uh, I switched the uranium rounds explosive rounds and that made them duck a bit because th those rounds will kill them however they move so fast we just couldn't hit them but we did carry one more thing <clears throat> I did carry one more thing because I'm authorized to do that we had a bazooka like a uh, weapon that fires not the bazooka, not the regular bazooka. The warhead is actually what we call a neutron device. Oh. Okay, it's nuclear. Nuclear? Yeah. Okay. Carry one of them. I don't... I don't <clears throat> something I don't use because it's dangerous. Yeah. But in that situation, we fire one in. We fire the, the, the device into the an almighty blaster 
and we ran, we ran for dear life after. <laughs> because I mean, we were, we were completely outgunned by those these uh, guys. Their weapons were just incredible. You can't hide behind anything. They, they just keep blowing it up. <laughs> you know, big rocks are just blowing up. Anyway, we ran, ran, and ran, and ran, and <clears throat> didn't stop. But we did see, we did send a recce helicopter, helicopter uh, search the next day. And we found that the mountain had uh, compressed, collapsed, hmm. and there was no more, no more stories about. Uh, Using children for that. So, what do you think happened? They. I think they abandoned the place. And they collapsed the mountain themselves to block the entrance of the cave. No, I don't think so. It, the, I think they ran to the bot. They ran deeper inside. Because the the neutron bomb would have collapsed the mountain. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. The blast would be powerful and knock up, knock up the mountain. So they gave up and they ran away, and uh, missing children was finished. Yeah, I guess they they they, they, they abandoned the outpost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were discovered. So that was a very frightening situation because we it took us a long time to get to the ground. Okay, so what, what the hell did we just encounter? No idea. <laughs> no idea such beings existed. It was quite frightening at first. Oh, um, there are many, many, many other situations where the other friendly ETs not not, not uh, always so, so so nasty. <laughs> I would like to hear these ones too, but uh, go on. <laughs> uh, well, friendly as in uh, you know, the, like the first case where. I was resurrected, right? There was another kid, another time when there was this. Uh, oh, I thought it was a whole, you know, a holy man sitting by the river. I, I had decided uh, that I had gone fishing. I wanted to go fishing in the river. So I mean, he gave me a shock, and then when he, when he started talking to me, I said, "Oh, I never saw you." <laughs> <clears throat> And he was curious. He was asking about what I thought about this fish. What did I think about that? Little, little things. You know, talking about normal everyday things. And then he gave me a little bit of advice and said, there's more to come in your life. I had no idea what he meant. So he said, be, be prepared. Uh, things didn't go south after that. Uh, got very, very bad. But he says, you will survive it somehow. Uh, okay, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> but what? <Yeah. laughs> well, at least I was kind of warning you at the time.
When I was a teen, I would regularly encounter crypto creatures, but I wonder if they were actually extraterrestrials. Remember I said I used to stick fight? Well, I used that stick and battled a number of them, usually in the middle of the night. They came to steal animals from our farm. They had claws, and one even had a weapon like a sickle. During military days, I had encountered another kind of extraterrestrial. These were like the gargoyles and had wings. There were three of them which confronted me and my team. They have mind control ability. I ordered my team not to look at them as I faced them. They couldn't control me. People ask me about Area 51. Yes, that's that's how really... I got there. Yeah, how uh, how did how these did events you... are, these events I'm talking about? Uh, you know, it's it's like in the 80s, early 80s. In the so, 80s, I mean, yeah. Yes, for some time ago. Anyway, okay, I I had a, a very special ability. Um, I was tested with, they found that I could project gamma vibrations, detectable gamma. You know, you, you have a meter and they, they will see, they see the gamma rays. They see the gamma effect. They, they could actually measure it. Gamma waves. Outside my body. Yeah, okay. So I, I could affect, affect things that way. I know what they mean because sometimes I walk by the television set at the time. And the television set goes off. <laughs> Do something funny, you know. <clears throat> so, so since they knew that I had this camera ability, the the there was some. Um, not CIA, but higher secret service people. They asked if I could be brought to Area 51 for testing, for development. When the Prime Minister heard that it was to do with aircraft, he says, okay, but only for two weeks. <laughs> So he landed you to, uh, so you said it wasn't the CIA, it was a secret service you didn't know anything about? No, much higher up, somewhere higher. dark. Yeah, much darker, something something to do with space, whatever. Aerospace developments and whatever. Anyway, I was, I was brought there. And uh, like I said, for two weeks, very intense two weeks. Uh, I was assigned two guards, two human guards. They carried, they didn't carry the regular bullet uh, weapons, they carried uh, energy weapons. 
I asked him, why, why did you, what do I have to keep the other ETs away from me? And I said, why? I didn't know why, but I could see this. Now that I know that uh, the Grey Alliance are really nasty people, nasty beings, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> The Grey Alliance is the alliance of the Six. The cunning and malevolent Orion group itself, or Nibu, who signed the infamous agreements with the MJ-12 in 1954. Because uh, there are a lot of the little ones running around, like, you know, little androids. And uh, I did see one or two of these uh, mitres. So uh, actually, horrible. They had horrible attitudes. So can you can you describe all the races you've seen there in Area Fifty One interacting with humans? So you said well. Yeah, the most of the interactions are by tele telepathy. Yeah. They, they, they usually have one one assigned officer that is that is telepathically inclined to to interpret what these people are trying to communicate. Yeah. Uh, in fact, if there's a scientist there, uh, you have this te telepathic guy. <clears throat> uh, with the scientists as well. I, I, outside the Area 51, the parameters, the, the, the security is incredibly tight. Inside is, is more jovial. Some, it's almost fun in there. <laughs> the humans, at least, at least the humans. There are a lot of jokes and fun. They push each other around a lot. And, uh, all, all fun and games uh, stopped when I saw, saw those, those, fly, those, what they call flying saucers. Then I realized, oh, okay, what's this? What's this floating in the, mid, in the air? There, there, was, there was some landed. We start we struts, the grey ones. There's a from I don't recognize but they're floating in mid air. And most of them are pretty small. No no bigger than no bigger no bigger than ten meters across. But there was one that was like at least at least fifty meters across. And it's saucer shaped and it's floating, wasn't touched in the ground. And the beings that go up and down the uh, this beam thing, <laughs> they stand there and they go up or down. And that's the one we rode in actually later on. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you told me you were aboard one of these. But could you describe the different races that you saw over there? So you said the Mitra, Kili talkers? Mitra, I can remember them very well, yes, very clearly. Mainly because of the bloody attitude that we carry. Very, very vicious looking. That they could seem to be, to be uh, aloof, to stand aloof. They all wear this kind of cover all things. The tomato is wearing this dull bluish type of uh, coat or, or jumpsuit, you know, body covering. Must be, must be some kind of armor type material as well. Uh, the little greys, they wear nothing, they just run around. Stink though. The little greys, they stink, yes, absolutely. You can always tell them before they, they arrive. <laughs> you smell them before you see them. Yeah, it, <laughs> is it a smell like a rotten a bit? Yeah. <clears throat> um, and it gets especially bad when there's a bunch of them. A bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of them in a small room. The humans, what they do is they turn on the, the exhaust fan full. <laughs> and, and this, as we speak about them, these little small grades, what were their tasks? Do you think they were assigned to certain work there or a certain purpose? Yeah, they seem to be doing the same thing over and over and over. Which was? Uh, yeah, you, you see them sometimes adjusting pieces of, of equipment, sometimes uh, assembling some little pieces of uh, equipment, or organizing a panel of some kind and always after that, that, that is done uh, a tall gray or to make sure take over yes, they're, so they're like little servants yeah okay okay and, and they uh, never smile do you think they could have been like synthetic or real biological beings they seem biological, but I, I, did, I cannot feel any auras from them. I do not see any auras. I have another talent. I have another ability is that I can, I can see auras. Mm. And they have no auras. They are no auras. That's interesting. Yes. So they were uh, assigned to taller greys, you said, isn't it? Yes. These taller greys were they mitra or keely tokyot or another species? Uh, I don't see any other species. Uh, only those 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 three. Okay. Can you describe the keely tokyot as you you saw them? Oh yeah, there was. Well, like, like greys were tall, much taller, longer necks, skinny, and the females have very long hair. Very long hair. The color yeah. of the skin, yeah, go on. Yeah, the color of skin is 
I don't know why they call him white. It's more like death. Somebody had died. <laughs> death, deathly death, Carla. Uh, not very pleasant. It's like somebody, you take somebody, a dead person out of a freezer. Yeah, it's, there's that sort of, it reminds me of a white dolphin. Yeah, okay. And their eyes? Rather tilted, almond shaped, and very piercing because they, they communicate through tel telepathy. And um, it, I could tell that they were they were not used to being polite. You know, they say, "Okay, I want to eat you." Uh, okay, to tell you how I want to eat you. I want this. I want that. Yeah, were the face human or they are more like traditional grey face? Uh, elongated. Like like you know you, you have you have a Barbie doll and you slap it flat. <laughs> yeah, very good picture, yeah. Do you think they some people could call them the tall whites? Or not? Yeah. Yeah, um, they were referred to as the tall whites in there. Yeah. And, and uh, the guys there were, were the, the humans there were very wary of them because they, they like to go into mind control. What do you think the purpose of the Kili Tokurt was of being residing in Area 51? Their work, their job. Well, I think uh, they, they want. They, they seem to be <clears throat> doing two things that I noticed. One was some scientists were were being instructed on build, telling them how to. You know, they wanted to build modules of of a spaceship this way or that way and uh, to telling the, the scientists they want this they want the engineers to do engineer it that way another thing is some of the others will come uh, offer technical advice on but the humans were developing a floating device for example so these engineers and scientists are being instructed on the energies required. Some were instructing, some were... So I guess it is to do with um, getting Earth resources to build something. And in return, they're getting instruction on technology. Okay. They were residing in the the area 51 they had yeah, they had their own but they had their own area they had their own area yeah where was it buildings or underground 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 okay. they they prefer they always prefer living underground which so, is very strange hmm. so would you say um they were giving 
instructions and a consultant in alien technology to the personnel of Area 51? Yes. What were they getting in exchange? I think they were... They, uh, I, I can tell you this. I don't know if it's because, I don't know if it's because they're lazy. They don't build industrial stuff. Industrial stuff is something that Earth does very well. Terran people do very well. They don't. They need somebody to build the, the hardware for them. So they would ask our scientists to develop it for them to the way they want it. Do you think they had a more personal secret purpose to... Oh yes, definitely. Something that they were doing in the undergrounds under the base that humans were not allowed to interfere? Much. What do you think Much they were, they were doing. Uh, I don't think there were any human experiments down there. Okay. This Area 51 is more mechanical. Okay. <clears throat> uh, in the, you know, in the in development of weapons and such. So, um, what is big? What was a big thing over there was uh, energy emissions. So I mean, so this is where the Earth people. Our people try to transfer this technology to their own aircraft, and this is where I came in. So, so, so what they do, and if you notice outside of uh, Area 51, sometimes there's a whole squadron of uh, F-15s sitting outside. They're mostly experimental planes. Um, uh, I think the little history I had, had with this, uh, what was told was this. They had a lot of volunteer pilots, very good ones, to develop um, fly-by-tour <coughs> planes. However, normally humans do not generate a lot of uh, gamma, gamma projections outside the body. They don't do it naturally. It's inside your brain, you can have it blowing up. But the projectile does not quite normal. So what they do is they inject this pilot with some kind of a serum. The overactive is the brain. And they go flying out and they come back. Do it too often, the brain, the brain turns into mush. Many pilots die that way. The brain just disintegrates. So they were running out of pilots. <laughs> and they didn't want any more of the pilots to die. So they, when they found me, they tried, tried a different uh, way of doing it. So what they did was they trained me to fly a plane. Uh, fly an F-15. Got to do it, learn very fast, but I do learn very quickly because, uh, like, I, I learned to fly a helicopter over over the weekend. 
So what, what, how was that working? You were in a seat in the plane, and were there electrodes or something? Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> the detail. This crazy helmet. <laughs> this thing sticking all over the place. <laughs> okay. And there was a bunch of, of uh, equipment behind. So, so what they've done is they, they had ripped out the uh, back seat. This is an F-15F, it's a two-seater. I was sitting in front, I was the wheeler pilot, and the co-pilot seat uh, will be ripped out, and all the equipment is there behind me. But I, in the meantime, I was wearing this helmet with things sticking out all over the place. Like, like, like a giant virus. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I would take off and land, take off and land. You know, a, lot, a lot of practice flights. And then uh, they put me into maneuvers. You, have, you just think that the, you think, think the plane. So, so initially, initially it was flying by, by, uh, by hand. And later on, I start to use, start to be hands off, and let the instruments take over. But by thought, what advantage that is after a while, not immediately, but after a while, you, you see when you you're doing it manually, it could take half a second to go through a maneuver and a sequence of half seconds for different maneuvers. So when you're fighting an enemy plane, you're doing maneuvers and all that, you know, several seconds go by. And by then the missile might have hit you. However, if if you, all of these can be done in half a second combined, what have you got? An incredibly powerful machine faster than anything and anybody can uh, imagine. So that's the result. In fact, I got it down to about 0.2 seconds. Thought it's a lot faster. Like I could roll, roll, aim, fire, and roll back again in a matter of 22 seconds. Or then I can even switch over to a different weapon while I'm doing all that. Which is uh, quite unheard of. There's no, no pilot could do it uh, manually. So the uh, the engineers were really overjoyed that uh, that can be done because they, they had it on record, right? They say, okay, another plane has, another plane has that kind of record. You can do a lot of things with uh, future weaponry. But I don't know, but for some reason they stopped the program. Okay. Yeah, maybe they ran out, ran out of uh, pilots. <laughs> they were killing all the pilots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they better stop. <laughs> well, nothing can stop them. I mean, I don't know the these these people have sort of ethics. Well, a different one anyway. 
But anyway, it was a fun. So, so at the end of it all, they gave me a patch to call me. If you can fly a, what we call F-15 Eagle, that's the plane. So they could say Eagle Driver, a patch for you. <laughs> so um, you have um, you have been on board uh, a ship, a uh, grey alien ship. We were um, invited. This was not, not the uh, Grey's idea, it was uh, one of the general's ideas. One gave me a ride. So the Grey's The Grey general wanted to give you a ride? No, not the Grey no, general, no. it was human. The human general, yes. He wants to, that the Grey's give you a ride. Yeah, and uh, see, sometimes they do, they do, they do things trips, short trips, here to there. So I said, okay, sounds like fun. So my guards and his guards, so, so maybe there were like eight or, eight or nine of us humans going up. Uh, it's kind of weird feeling when going in that energy thing going up, you know, it's like you're prickling all over and you go. <laughs> <laughs> we lifted from the ground into the into the ship. Oh yeah, you were lifted by a beam, energy beam, <laughs> into the ship. Okay. It's a weird feeling. Uh, yeah. And we were told, okay, this is a seating area. You may sit here and observe the the grays functioning. Was the little the ones? Little, yeah, the little ones are all on the panels. I think there's like, like six or seven of them on panels working. And there was this little good standing right in front, making sure that everybody knows that he's the captain. Uh -huh. yeah, that kind of thing. Um, anyway, so when the, the the ship started to move, it was wobbly. Wobble, wobble, wobble. And the, 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 <laughs> the uh, couple of little grace and the captain turned on me, looked at me and said, stop it. I said, what? Idi Talkers told you, stop it. <laughs> I said, stop what? <laughs> no, I just looked at him and said, stop what? So I wasn't I wasn't afraid of him what? either. No, 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 what this? What? You know the the generals laughing, laughing and says, "You're not afraid of him either. Why would I be afraid of him?" There's a reason why. General started even saying, well, "What's wrong? Is he interfering with our our controls?" Huh? How am I interested in the controls? It's because I'm focusing on the panels and they're sensitive. <laughs> oh my God. So you could, if you have, if you were allowed, you, you could have taken over the ship and, and, yes. and, and um, navigated it. Yeah, because my, my, the, the game projections were, for me were very strong. 
I was stronger than they were. Well, so in fact, that's very interesting because um, I heard some ship, some of their technology, it's just the ship is plugged, is attuned to the DNA of the, the waves of the, the pilots. But obviously, there are some ship that are not, and anybody can, that has the ability, can pilot it. So then. Yeah. Uh, this one, anyway. I, I was surprised. Yeah. I, I said, oh. Okay. Oops. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a big talk, uh, quite quite amusing issue. <laughs> I would stop anything. What? <laughs> I mean, I haven't done anything. <laughs> oh my god. What did I do? <laughs> what was their their uniforms? The key little Kurt. They had a uniform. Uh. Yeah, I, I won't call it the uniform, it's more like a coverall. More of a, sorry? More of a coveralls. Cover. They're wearing on another, instead of wearing a different one, mm. then, then they would be, um, I, I've seen others that come and go from, from uh, space coming down. Those are probably the uniforms, but this on Earth, I think it's a different one. Mm -hmm. They wear something different. Is there, have you seen any symbols or um, insignias on their uniforms, all these ETs? Uh, the, 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 um, for these Tilly's people, no, I don't remember the, the insignias. I do remember the matrix. The, the triangle with, stripe, with the uh, stripes. Ah, that's it. Like a, a triangle with three, three stripes? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. They all wear the same thing. Okay. Now, please tell us about the, the Mitra. So, what can you tell us about them? Not a lot, because they were being kept, they were being kept away from me. But they were interested in, in who I was. They did, they, they did ask questions. They did come and put to the approach. But my guards would point their guns up and say, go. You don't come any closer. Yeah. Were they? How was their general behavior, attitude, the mitra? Rude. Rude. Vicious. They they can't answer you without a hiss or growl, something like that. I mean, think think of a tiger. Yeah, like a tiger energy, very aggressive, aren't they? Yes, very, very dangerous sounding. Well, I, can, they... I can tell from the energy that they were um, aggressive. Were they smelling as well? Some. Some, yes, okay. Uh, it's like a mold type smell. Mold type smell, okay. Were they residing on, on the base? I mean, probably underground? Yes, they were also underground. They had their own spot. Their own spot. Were they getting on with the other greys, like Healy Tokyo? No, they ordered them. They didn't get... They're not... They're not, they're not um, they don't seem like allied or buddies. They just ordered them around. They, they tolerated each other. Yeah. And very 
very often they come very close to a fight, fight actually. Oh, between mitras and kilitokertia. Yeah. Not unusual. Not unusual. What do you think were the purpose of the presence of the Mitras in Area 51? With the attitude, I think it's like they came to take something. Take something. Not really good. Maybe there's something they had planned, they had the promise to exchange to the humans. I don't know. Do you think they were the ones who made agreements with the government in late 1940s, or you have no idea? I don't think late 1940s, I think more recent. More recent. Do you think they were taking people, using humans? I think so, because they have, a, they have an attitude of, uh, you know, to, when they, they saw me, they wanted to approach and wanted to know me. Yeah. Why? Without even asking to just come. They want something and they take it, don't they? Yes. And uh, you can see that the guys were ready to shoot at them. Yeah, and I suppose there was, was there an exchange with, I mean, what you said they didn't give anything, so that I didn't see them give anything. So it was more they were here and nobody had to say anything because everybody was scared of them? People were afraid of them, yes. Afraid of them, yeah. Who owns... And they carried one more thing. One more thing, oh, they yeah, carried yeah. an energy weapon as well. They had a packet or something. They carried an energy type weapon that is like a bit of lightning. You fire it out. So whoever's at the end of that thing is going to be fried. I saw them use it once on some equipment and they just, because they were unhappy with a piece of equipment, they fried, they fried the equipment. Yeah. Uh, incredible. They had incredible power carrying them. Very impressive. What about um, the interdimensional side of these beings? Do you think they had, have you experienced they had activity on other planes of dimensional planes? Were they able to shift dimensionally or modify the fabric of space-time? Uh, yes, one time. I noticed that the the mitra, mitra? they had their own meeting with uh, uh, seem from their own people from somewhere else. There was a like, portal, you know. There were portals. I could see that the, uh, the the room, the area there, they, they were, where they were, yeah, clear air, and then there was this watery-like uh, effect around. Like and you step through it. It's like in the movie Stargate, you would say. 
not quite not quite that elaborate mm-hmm. you can see uh, uh, you know, waveforms are changing energy changing so they could step back and forth in that I guess this sort of like more, more of this or their beings on the other side there were beings coming through this portal from the other side yeah they came back came tough or something and then they went back were they also mitra or another mitra. species mitras as well okay i said one time and then it's like okay i'm staying away from you guys <laughs> What about the, the different ship? Could you say they had each different type of ship, different shapes? Yes, different shapes. Uh, I cannot really describe exactly what they look like. Um, but using the, the grace ship as, as a basis, they, um, they actually look very similar. I noticed that the Mitra ships have a lot more energy. They glow a lot more. Mm. And also you can feel the energy more. You come too close, it's like you feel that they might fry you or something. Yes, it's the energy field around the ship that you yeah. can't approach. Um, have you learned anything about this technology? How it was working this energy field, for instance. Very basics, the very basics I did, and that's one more reason why the the humans keep me away because I pick it up because other things are very fast. <laughs> because I have. Um, After this episode, I went back. To, I went back to my base with parts from uh, the old, old aircraft. I developed. Um, I made something that a floating device. Floating device. Yes. Yeah. It, it's small, but it would handle. Uh, I don't know how many hundred times its own weight. And the um, Vatican heard about it and they wanted it. The Vatican wanted it. It was a floating device. Like you think it could be anti-gravity or another technology? Anti-gravity. Anti-gravity. That very have... very stable. And I mean, I may have made it very very stable. Was it uh, alien te- alien technology or retro-engineered? Me. I did. You 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 did it. Yeah. You you manufacture this this device. Yeah, I put it back together. I put it together. Yes. You put it together. From understanding what was going on, and I put it together. From understanding, from what you saw and you understood from uh, a ship, for instance. <laughs> yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, but I wasn't going to let them have it. So I just tore it apart. <laughs> So the someone yes someone from the Vatican 
I know you told me this story before, but I would like you to tell the audience someone from the Vatican. The Vatican heard about this device, they wanted it, they sent someone uh, who tried to get it from you, isn't it? Yes. Uh, for uh, I would like you to say the name of this person because anybody who has read my book, I mentioned this person with Area 51. Yeah, he's Dr. Jenkins. Thank you. So, um, you destroyed, you dismantled this device that nobody could have it. That's right. Would you be able to make it again? Uh, right now, I do not know if I can remember it because I mean, in the meantime, all those years, these years I've had several, I have suffered several uh, strokes because of the uh, stress, yeah. the stresses. And, um, you know, much of my memories, I come across situations where my memories are white. It must have been several times because I can feel like, like there were empty spaces in my head. But every, every so often I get flashes of a returning memory, which is wonderful because uh, you know, holes in your head isn't good. What do you think these holes in your head are due to um, damage from all, all these experiments and work or alien intervention? I think it's alien intervention. Do you think they wiped your memory on purpose? Yes. Who did that? Who did that? I do not know exactly. Uh, my, my guess is I know what, one situation would be from the uh, mitra. Mitra. One of them, at least. There's more I know, one one time. Yeah, they didn't want you to remember what happened there. Didn't want to, didn't want them to, they didn't want me to remember what happened to me. I mean, uh, one of them had possessed me uh, recently, attacked me, but I thrown them off with help from friends. It wasn't easy because my, my whole body was inundated uh, with infections. They did that because uh, they wanted to, well, first take down my energy, make me helpless and give up. But you see, I will not give up my mind. No. They, no are still, yeah, they are still bothering you and attacking you since all these years? Yes, they are. You're still fighting. But I've learned to fight back um, recently. And I do know one thing though. I have an ability of hand-to-hand -hand combat. I've never been beat, I've never been uh, defeated in any hand-to-hand -hand combat. They fear you. <laughs> I don't care how big you are. I've always come on top. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are very brave and um, that is amazing. There was a question before we go on on this subject. Do you think who, who, when you were working at the Area 51, who were your human bosses? I mean, with what institution? Oh, uh, that space agency that the, that the U.S. has um, is a dark. The problem with that one is it's dark. 
also linked to um, the Vatican, okay. which is the part I do not like because I run, I run into situations with the Vatican that uh, I, I really, really, or I'm really shocked that they, they do things like that. Like I had a mission with uh, go to Bhutan to save a village with Gurkhas, with a whole regiment of Gurkhas. We didn't know it was the French Foreign Legion working for the uh, Vatican. They were stealing artifacts. But we stopped them. Well, by then half the village had been killed. Unfortunately. So, um, see, doing all these things, it's no wonder that uh, for decades after they were coming up to me still, trying to assassinate me. Even recently, uh, even when my child was growing up, they tried to kidnap my son. Yeah, but uh, really, you know, you hear the story about uh, trying to kid, try, trying to steal a cub from a lioness. No chance. <laughs> yeah, but for, for 20, 30 years, I was, I was fighting assassins coming in from nowhere. So life wasn't all that peaceful. Imagine the stress that I had to go, go through. So, yeah. So, since you left Area 51, when you left, were you threatened um, not to speak of it, I suppose? Yes. Uh, ordered not to speak, but uh, the Prime Minister says, talk about it, I want to hear. <laughs> so, you told them. Prime Minister in, in Singapore about your experience? The Prime Minister and the, uh, the high military. The high military, okay. Yeah, you have to tell them. I kind of shut up. Yeah. yeah, I'm walking around with that deagle patch, mm -hmm. driver patch. I mean, everybody wants to know. <laughs> you had you had a patch? Yeah, the, see, once you're pilot of the of, uh, I-15. Oh, yeah. They, they give you a patch while you're the driver. Yeah. That's what I got. I walk around with it. So it's, you know, a lot of people got very, very interested. How did you get it? Yeah, of course. I mean, I also got a Gurkha sword. Okay. So um, that is fascinating. What, what else do you remember um, about? that you witnessed, you saw in Area 50. That you have Yes. Memories do come back. The floors can move. The floor can move. Yeah. Huge slabs can go across. Can be withdrawn. The ships can go down. Sometimes underneath where we are walking, it's a very huge ship underneath. Oh, you mean that the, the floor slides open and the yes. ship go down and there's a facility and then... Yeah. And underneath the tunnels, yeah. 
by this mountain into this mountain. They're all tunnels. There are more tunnels underneath than there are buildings on top. Yeah. And many levels down. Okay. One place I, had, I went on 10 levels. 10 levels. Is it, uh, what's going on in these undergrounds? <laughs> Weapons, research, technologies. It's mostly mechanical. Mechanical, electronics. It's not unusual that things floating by. Do that without anybody controlling it. And would you say that um, the aliens are walking around uh, with the people, with the employees of the the base? No, um, they have generally their own area. There's a co-mingling area, what they call the, the working areas, this is where they co-mingle. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they don't, uh, they don't have that body-body need. Uh, relaxed atmosphere when, when they are off work. Dangerous. It's dangerous for the humans. Yes, yeah, so they're all like, they don't like humans. Either the Kilitopia or the Mitras, and we know that 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 that's really important to explain to the audience. And uh, so the Mitras are there. We don't really know what they do, but they they abduct humans. That's it. They 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 have. You suspected that they were take working with taking humans, but nobody really knows. Yes. You see, you see the the, the powerful technology. If they grab somebody, nobody's going to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do they teleport people just like this? Do you think? I, I think they um, they have an agreement not to do that. I think. Okay. Because uh, the earth, earth, they need the earth beings to uh, to build things from them. Ah, yes, so they need to, yeah, not to be too, too horrible. I've seen, I've seen them take modules of stuff, heavy stuff. They've just been created by the, the humans, delivered to them, they, they carry it and go through the portal, and they take it away with them. Okay. I've seen that happen. And the Kili Tokyota are there for slave work or mechanical built stuff. What would you say their main purpose or their presence then? Really to, uh, for us to build things for them. For them, okay. Okay, they use us. Uh, unfortunately, for... it's uh, military weapons based. Yeah. I can tell that they might, like, they might be creating some kind of armor or some kind of. Uh, Gun, or some kind of a firing module, and like you know, if you, if you go to a battleship in, in, on Earth, you see turrets of gun, a turret and gun. They have their own version of it, much smaller, but uh, there's a version of it that they put on the, uh, the ships. Have you yeah. seen the? Sorry, go on. No, sorry. No, Have you seen the, the the triangular triangular black ship? 
triangular yes, shape. Yes, right? they, they had a triangular shape. That's the key. Detail. And they insist, and they insist of keeping that ship underground. Keeping that ship on the ground, yes, yes, that's the, the key little print, isn't it? That had these black triangular ships. They, they like to have it under the ground. Under the ground, okay. They don't want humans near them, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't want to give the technology, anyway. Uh, they have this energy thing around them all the time. You really don't want to approach the, the ship anyway. And whoever human wants to uh, get on board, they have to wear a special suit. Mm, not my cup of tea. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, if they're not friendly, you think twice before getting on board, isn't it? Yes, I, I, I wouldn't get on board with it. Even if the ship is empty, I wouldn't go on board because I think what the program is. Yeah, you would like to be sure to get out. <laughs> wow, these are amazing. The, the friendly ships, is, that's a very unusual ship. It's not even like a ship, it's not like a shuttle. Which ones? Uh, more like a shuttle. Yes. Like, like a small uh, bus. <laughs> Who used this ship? I have no idea. They, they didn't tell us. Okay. Um, my, my sense is, is from a friendly, uh, from friendly ATs. Oh. You just, it floats there. Anybody can approach and touch it even. Uh, oh, so it will be a fourth species that you didn't see that would be there using this ship, this bus shuttle, like. I just set aside because uh, it seems the humans don't pay any attention to it. Okay. Which I, I think is kind of surprising because I think my sense is that it's got even higher technology than, than, than the other ones. Oh. Much, much higher. It, it's a very responsive ship. It, it's conscious. Like, it, it, if I approach it, it sort of like moves a little bit. Which is, um, I found it a little unusual and get a sense that it is alive, awake. But I do not know whose uh, ship that is. It may be given to them. Maybe it was given to them, uh, but they didn't make use of it. Or maybe, yeah, maybe they took it from somewhere or captured this ship and. Uh... Who knows? Maybe, but it's a fr I, but the funny thing is, it's a friendly ship. Yeah, you felt it was from friendly species. Maybe yes. it was captured and brought there. Who knows? It could have been a gift. As a gift. Mm. Okay. I mean, if, if this technology is a, is a gift that's non-nuclear. Uh, a benevolent ET would want you to, fig to, to figure it out. Mm. So, yeah. What uh, have you heard about some ties between Area 51 and uh, Wright Patterson Base in Ohio? I heard about the, uh, the underground tunnels. 
And they actually have trains going back and forth. Okay, sometimes I see a bunch of people in and now I see but they didn't come up on the surface. Maybe they come from. Yeah, that's the, the big web of underground connecting all the the, the military bases, the dumps and everything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't know that, but I did know that uh, it's, it's like human, not human experiments that they have underground uh, in the It's mostly mechanical, weaponry, energy, digital, and it's lots and lots of computer stuff. Are they working also or mind control devices or things? Mind uh, mind control devices is very, very common. It's like, you know, the offices, the modules, you get a lot of um, robots, you know, sometimes humans, wearing all these, these crazy devices on the head. And instruments are always running. So is there, is, are they humans walking around with these devices on their head? Not walking around, they, yeah, they have to stay inside. They have things that are attached to the system. But they do have what we call, you know, the, the space centrifuge when they test, when they train you to take uh, G-forces and all that stuff in there. Train the humans. Do you think there are humans uh, that are taken in space out of world to go to other planets to work with these ETs somewhere else? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I've I've uh, met a few of them that they say they just come back from Mars. Huh? It's like is, is, is that possible? That time I didn't understand. And uh, so I said I asked them do we ever go back into Mars? They're slaves. They had to work at slaves. If they don't work, they get thrown outside and uh, they won't last two minutes. So you met humans, uh, military personnel, coming back from Mars? I would call them military personnel. No. They're more like technical people. Technical people coming back from Mars saying that there are facilities there where humans are used as slaves. Yes. And who are the slave masters? Yeah, I asked them that, so they controls you. Yeah. See, the, the, they told me that there, were, there are a lot of these blue greyhounds running around with blue guns, energy guns. And, but the scary ones are once in a while, this, this reptilian guy comes around. The reptilians? Yeah, some, some reptilian ones come around. And those are scary ones. Scary ones. And the little greys work for the reptilians? Yes. Yeah. If yeah. the greys do something wrong, in fact, what, what the reptilians do is sort of rip the heads off.
so so yeah so the humans go are sent to mars to these babies to as basically a slave force slaves to work for them yeah because uh, technically building things humans are extremely good okay okay so then why humans there the other races are more good for these things so all this um comedy with Elon Musk and uh, first missions to Mars it's just a cover up to uh, make people believe that we are going to build facilities on Mars and one day we'll say oh we have built some facilities but in fact they are here from a long time and it's a trap Mars is a trap isn't it they're talking a lot of nonsense really yeah It, it, what it told me was that uh, how they bring equipment, you know, some, sometimes they require heavy equipment. There, there are places on the earth where it's a, sometimes there's an explosive um, effect and things that can be blown into space. So that's what they do, they put it, put it on special containers bring it to the, place, to the place on the ocean or whatever it is and let it blow out into space. What they do is they, they hook their, their ships waiting to hook onto them and grab them and, and bring them to Mars. Do you think what, it's just what they call the jump rooms to go to Mars? People have told about that uh, there are like places on Earth where there are, it's like portal and people are just projected, teleported to Mars? Would you think it's the same uh, thing? A general, the general they say mentioned about working, riding the sled to Mars. Um, you transport several people at the same time. So for larger numbers, they need a ship. Most of these um, people, the, the stories they tell me about uh, traveling to Mars on the ship wasn't the most pleasant because uh, those few hours, those few hours riding that ship, uh, life support isn't all that great and very unpleasant. And it's dangerous too because if if you ever thrown outside the environment of the uh, of the facilities there, you die in matter minutes. That's why everybody is very compliant. You don't work, you die. Well, you're confirming a lot of things I was told as well. Um, this is quite mind-blowing. Did you did you hear them talking about the moon? Uh, not quite. What happened? 
I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of activity. Why? Uh, well, um, Stevie, you are very brave to tell us all of this. Do you feel safe now? Safe as uh, as I can be because I I've been uh, <laughs> looking over my shoulder for decades. You know, uh, this is far as. Do I need any more? No. <laughs> I don't want any more of this BS. I mean, what, what, what have I done to, to, to hurt them? Yeah. I haven't. No. And it is the time, you know, when every, everyone speaks now and uh, all these greys are there. Do you think as well as I think that they, their existence on Earth is nearly touching an end? Would you say that too? Uh, I can feel that at last somebody's being able to chase, take a rod and uh, chase them off to the little corners or wherever they're hiding. It's about time because I'm really sick to death of these, people, these beings. Yeah. They've harassed me for too, so long. And uh, if I'm part, if I can be part of a doing the same thing as well, I'd be very glad to contribute. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but uh, you can contribute as well. Well, hopefully you would be heard if you can. Somebody think you, you'll be needed and you can contribute as well scientifically with everything you've learned and understood. So it, I think it's only good ahead for everyone and for you especially now. Yes. Uh, and this, this, um, because I know you told me there's this mitra entity that uh, can send, sends like a dog to, to just torture you because they don't want you to remember. But um, you've overcome this creature. You have managed to get rid of it. Uh, take over as incredible as, as it can seem it can seem um, we are more powerful than them we just need to know it uh, even then it was a very very painful experience emotionally and physically it's like I mean they, they have unusual powers as well like trying to rip the soul out of my body you see blood coming out of my torso area where the, where the soul area would be Uh, but I do know that I'm one that never gives up. You won't get, you won't get it out of me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and they, they're going to go anyway soon. So you're, it's good now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for all these informations, all your memories from the Area 51. And uh, before I I ask you more cheerful questions, is there anything else you remember you wanted to share? I'm sure more memories will come back, yeah. more, more fine details. 
was being attacked first by a tall, thin shadow being. It came up from behind me at home. I could sense it, and it lashed out with a kick. I could feel hard contact with it, and a terrible, burning pain in my heel. However, that being was sent flying into the wall, where it left a dark imprint with a hard impact. Over the next several months, I was being observed by people in black helicopters. A few weeks later, I woke up one night with some energy dragging me from my chest and torso. I could see and feel my soul being drawn out of my body. resisted regardless of pain and shock. I could see a portal and on the other side were three mater. They wore a bluish type of cloak and gown with typical triangle symbols. I could hear telepathically him telling me that he is just making sure the damage to my heart was corrected. Your soul is strong, he told me. It was then you could see the being. He had no hands like ours but one elegant fingers that are so gentle. I somehow knew that he was a mantid known to be excellent doctors. Oh yeah. Very important. The mitra feeds up your energy as well. They torture me because the emotions of negativity when it's very extreme they absorb that energy from me. And they get very, very strong because of that. In the presence of deep love, they fall apart. This is You can literally make them fall apart. Remember that people. Laughter. They cannot, hurt, they cannot hold on to you. They cannot hold on to high energy. They just cannot. It's like it's a fire on, on, on the fire, the fire on the flower shrinks instantly. You know, we destroy them instantly. Very important. So rising your vibration. Yes. Vibrations of love from somebody else too. You back off from it. You cannot touch it. When you they're so afraid of that energy, in fact, that um, I heard it scream one time. I heard this mantra scream one time. So the energy of love and laughter. Yes. Yes, develop that. Every morning, start, and every evening, before you sleep. Have a good laugh. <laughs> I'm laughing a lot more these days. <laughs> <laughs> and the more you laugh, the more he's going away, your shadow, not friend. Yeah, the evil bunny. 
yeah so yes we we all need when good beings uh, work hard to tell us rise your vibration rise your frequency by feeling centered peaceful and happy and laughing and love that's 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 n not uh, nonsense it's really really real real truth real truth truth like, and you've experienced like, it yourself like part of my training in the martial arts in the early 80s i was asked to uh, lead meditation sessions with uh, uh, Tibet, the Tibetan um, temples. You know, imagine having 200 monks and, and they're following you. <laughs> anyway, I don't use those alpha waves. I bring them up to gamma waves. Very different. Why I use gamma waves? When you focus on gamma, you can't help but being focused on joy. You want the joy. You want the uh, sovereignty, the independence, your personal power. And you feel good, not sad after, after it all. So focus on the happiness. And if you can develop the gamma waves in your brain, it's so much the better. So the feeling of happiness and joy and inner joy and simple laughter. Yes. You expand the gamma waves in the brain. We all have gamma waves, but um, very small amounts usually. Too much meditation is done on alpha. <coughs> why, why that is not so great is because you're expecting somebody to tell you what to do. You want to tell the energies what you want, not the other way around. So gamma waves are something that you can produce by this sensation of joy and happiness and this rises your vibration and creates gamma waves and that radiates from you that's what you say you also yeah you, because of that you also raise your creativity mm -hmm. yeah. far, far far greater than uh, alpha waves so you naturally create the gamma waves when you create this feeling of joy and happiness and the yes. Entities yes. like the Mitra or other dark entities, they can't approach, it burns them. Yeah, the energy is too strong. That's why they try to scare people to... Yeah. yeah. And your gamma disappears. Yeah. yeah. And then you create something else that they feel of. That's it. I mean, you want to be reaching up to the fifth dimension and not, not falling back into the lower third. So if everyone was trying to do this, well... Well, the Earth, Earth would be very different. Yes. Yeah. 
How would you oh, yeah, you find that? you find that plants will grow better too. Maybe if you have a garden, you keep doing that, and uh, you, you have better flowers, better better vegetables, better fruits. Any other advice to um, create this gamma wave, radiate them? Meditation. Start in the morning. Or like what what uh, you did for me was to send me those uh, tuning forks. It used to the gamma ones, and you, your brain will pick up on it very fast. Or alternatively, if you have a Tibetan bowl, a singing bowl, most of them are tuned to G. So pick one up, yes, and uh, use it. Perfect. Wonderful. Wonderful. Any kind of special hertz frequency or it's just G? No, G. Um, see, the, 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 the real Tibetan bowl is less for seven types of metal. Gold is one of them. Gold, silver, this one is sometimes platinum as well. So a real original one can be pretty pricey. But you don't have to go to all the way there. Just get one that's tuned to G. G. Hmm. And this creates higher frequency and... Yes, because of where it is, when you do that, the very you feel your, your, your energy centers, your chakras is resonating with the bowl when you do it. And if you're very adventurous, get a huge one. Like what I did one time. Initially, when I used it, there was no, almost no sound. Because <laughs> I didn't have enough energy. I learned, to, I learned to provide it energy and, and it starts to ring like a bell. And everybody's staring at me, it's like making so much noise. Was it so loud? Nobody's ever made this thing ring so loud before. The sensor is very energy sensitive. That's impressive. How, how do you see the, the future of humanity? Full of promise. It is full of promise. Because from the time when I grew up and now, um, the time I, when I grew up, it was everybody fighting for scraps. And then those few people living like kings. But more and more I see the, uh, the controls starting to fall apart. You know, being a banker, I can tell that the, the banking system will change. And I will see that the, a new kind of cryptocurrency would work. But somebody must go and uh, destroy the old first 
meaning, to be fair, you have to get rid of the unfairness. That means crooked money, get rid of it. And then, then this new cryptocurrency can be unbreakable. And what about, you see, the free energy? Believe in that as well. Okay, the free energy, all it requires is, all it requires is one large company making use of a new technology. And the floodgates would open. Yeah. What I like to see is engines being replaced, engines and motor cars being replaced, because there will be immediate adoption by people. Everybody will want it. And they will, they, we can start very quickly. very impressive. You think what we've learned about alien technology, of course, will be integrated in our new device? It must. It must. It must, because they are so far ahead. Yeah. At the very least, use their principles. Yeah. See, see, development of um, technology is really a spiritual thing. If how spiritual you are, well, you can come this way, you can control the AI, not let AI control you. The power of the spirit is a new age where you are, in a way, a precursor, you are a representant of humans of the, the near future because of your developed natural abilities. And uh, what do you think? That humans would be like you? We are all like, like the same, but you have all of these abilities. You have a step ahead because it is activated. Uh, in well, the once it's shown, uh just like just like the uh, Roger Bannister right? running below four four minute mile all you need is one person to get started yeah yeah other people others will follow yeah yeah well we go oh one we go all as they say mm. <laughs> yes yeah, so just it takes that somebody starts it and that's it yeah Do you see? Do you see humanity um, walking hand in hand, as we can say, with benevolent extraterrestrials? No, not those you've been have misadventures with, but other ones. Have you felt them near? Have you? What have you? What I? Yes, uh, I believe that it was going to happen. You, you see, people remember the nasty things more than they, they remember the, uh, the pleasant ones. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the beings that you come across your life, maybe in 80, you don't even realize that. 
they gave you a little bit of advice, they gave you a bit of hand, uh, you know, yeah. uh, as they say, the angels among us. Yeah. I mean, I've had people give me, so-called people giving me advice, pointing me in a certain direction, and I have no idea who they are. And just a little bit later on looking for them, I, I don't know who they are. <laughs> they seem to have vanished. I think you were well looked after. Well, I mean, if you're still alive and victorious now, after all you've been through, you yes, have I mean, been protected. Yes, I mean, even the car, horrible accident, in trying to get rid of the metro, metro came up without a scratch which was um, quite astounding because uh, you know all the services, emergency services, people came around and like expecting the worst and here I was, nothing happened to me. <laughs> Not one scratch. Even my, my friend uh, was driving the car. Not one scratch on her. So I mean, how come? You have good protection and uh, probably benevolent uh, ETs. Why not people linked to who you are, your your family? Who knows? I was thinking, thinking more of a galactic family or. Oh, um, I wish. I wish to know them. <laughs> I really, and I really wish to know them. I'm sure they do take care. So, thank you so much. Um, it's been oh two hours. We've been you've been talking. You must be very oh. tired. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we we will speak again another time. And, uh, I wouldn't like you to to get too tired and uh, to mind yourself. So. I don't know how to express my gratitude on behalf of all those who are listening for your courage and your resilience and your strength and your, your, your courage to speak now. And on behalf of everyone, we honor you and we thank you and we are very privileged to get to hear what you have to say. Thank you so much. And is there anything you would wish, a message you would wish to pass on to humanity in these times? Thank you for your kind words. For humanity, don't lose hope. In fact, I won't say hope anymore. So look to who and what you want to be. How far do you want to go? It's not a message of hope, it's be. Shortly after recording this, the individual known as Stephen Chun was found 
deceased under suspicious circumstances. While nothing is official, the consensus in the SSP community was that he wasn't careful enough with anonymity, spoke too much about specifics, as well as potentially could have spoken much more in depth and in detail, compromising the secret, as I've called it. And he was murdered, silenced by the same government that he used to work for as a soldier. Thank you all very much for listening to this presentation of Public Domain Audio. Elena Danan's interview with Stephen Chung. While not censored, it is controversial and in constant danger of being censored. And Stephen Chung did give their lives to bring us those two hours of disclosure. Thank you all very much. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. I have been the Beyond Top Secret Texan. You have been listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. Peace out. <laughs>